Good evening, Patriots. And it's still Wednesday, March 9th in the year 2022. We're heading into something very dark in the time of our existence as humanity. And the only way which we're going to get through this, as I've been talking about today a lot, is us coming together and changing the game. And that means us leading to turn this into a giving time to counter the taking and hoarding perspective that's been so festering and built into people in this world of scarcity that we currently live. We're going to talk all about that tonight in just a little bit. First off, thefoundersbible.com, thefoundersbible.com. That's the Bible for our time, literally. It's an NASB 1995 edition with our founding father's documents worked throughout the scripture. It's a beautiful edition. It's beautifully printed, printed in the United States. And it's an heirloom quality edition. You can get the Founders Bible, thefoundersbible.com, and get 20% off when you use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S, in the coupon section at checkout. This is literally a lesson in God's Word and an experience in learning how our founding fathers used Scripture as a living language. So I want to read a couple headlines to you, patriots. And it's pretty amazing. A recession unlike any other. The U.S. economy is already deteriorating due to humongous financial and monetary cliffs. These are cliffs are now being compounded by the war in Eastern Europe and near record high inflation. The war in Eastern Europe is just a cover story. So to understand, and tonight, just so we're clear, I'm going to, I really want to frame out a kind of a political and geo, geopolitical perspective before we dig deeper into perspectives with God. Just kind of lay some foundation because it all ties in. We're looking at Ukraine being kind of the linchpin of the Western Axis powers. It's where all the money laundering has gone on. It's where the extortion has come out of from election fraud to the bioweapons labs that are all over the world. The U.S. has now admitted to having over 300 labs globally. The Russians, and we're going to hear in a minute, claim to have found over 300 labs, or I mean over 30 labs, excuse me, in Ukraine. So that's one headline. Here's another headline. Cooking oil shortage sparks panic buying in Indonesia. Cooking oil. Okay. Here's another one. Arab Spring 2.0 begins. Iraqis take to the streets in protest of soaring food prices. This is in Zero Hedge. In two different articles, literally spaced with one article in between, that's two headline articles about food shortages of some kind. That alone should be, it, they don't typically talk about food shortage. They're usually talking about monetary issues. This is a big deal. And it's starting to really shake the core of what this country is about. Let me let you listen to this real quick. A couple things now. These are a, This is a clip from TikTok. So March 11th, they're going to their own internet. That's Russia. The RU, which is just isolated inside of Russia. They are tired of getting hacked because of us and Anonymous or Anonymous. Or they're about to unleash their hackers. So whether that, whatever that is, Russia's going to its own sealed and isolated internet on the 11th. That's the day after tomorrow, which they call RU. 
That's not a small thing at all. Now, I'm going to play this clip. It's 50 seconds. This is a trucker speaking, so I'm giving you a language warning. There's probably four or five F-bombs in here, but what he's saying is more important than that, so please bear with it. And if it's a problem, it's about 50 seconds, so you can turn it off and turn it or turn down your volume or something, but it's about 50 seconds. Listen to what he has to say. You want fuckers want a reality check? I'm going to give you a reality check. 1052 dollars to fill a semi-truck in Tennessee. It is currently right now 515 a gallon. What the fuck are y'all gonna do next month when your gallon of milk costs eleven dollars? Because you hear that? That's the only way you get milk. Reefer units, refrigerated trailers. It ain't like y'all gonna do without. Y'all better wake the fuck up. What he just said there is should shock everybody. A thousand fifty-two dollars to fill a semi truck. It's got a refrigerator trailer and there's no way that isn't going to be transferred onto consumers it's going to be it can't be other any other way so this is a big deal okay now listen to this perspective i don't totally agree with everything he's saying here but it's nonetheless the framing of it is a good way of thinking about things boom nailed it you got to listen closely to this because this is how governments create massive changes in the world by doing that by designing systems okay problem reaction solution now look at what the problems are right now gas prices are through the roof completely they're printing massive amounts of money and food is about to go through the roof too because the truckers are going to have to spend massive amounts of money on gas to, to transport your food so that's the problem Right, the reaction is the society is going to go crazy. Right, people are going to start starving. It's going to be horrible. It's not good, not good. But the solution is to create a new digital currency like cryptocurrency, for example. All these billion-dollar companies like Goldman Sachs are now offering Ethereum investments to their clients, while we as a society are being distracted and fudded out of the market, so that we sell them our cryptocurrency, and so that they benefit the most out of this giant inflation. The the investors are always rigging the game. And that's just something to keep in mind. They're always rigging the game. And they're always gearing it. And this is why at the core of all of this, you can't have a society going forward that has Wall Street as the main engine of the world. Wall Street and bankers are the death of humanity. And it's just absolutely critical to understand that they have to go and we have to move into a God-driven economy or we're going to just continue to get crushed here's a a piece on the russian claims of 30 biolabs in ukraine bioweapons russia claims it has uncovered 30 biolabs in ukraine 30 30 biolabs in ukraine what happened to these labs what happened at these labs rather according to russia weaponization they were making biological weapons they claim america was developing bioweapons in ukraine listen to this 
It is obvious that in the wake of the special military operation, the Pentagon started having serious concerns about secret biological experiments uncovered on the Ukrainian territory. The uncovered documents confirm that components for chemical weapons were developed in Ukrainian biolabs in immediate proximity to Russia. That is a serious allegation. Before we examine it, let me tell you, let me give you some background, in fact. What is a bioweapon? It can be a toxin or a deadly pathogen, basically something that attacks humans from the inside. How are bioweapons deployed? Just like any other weapon, you can use missiles, grenades or rockets. Are they legal? Well, absolutely not. Multiple conventions ban the development and use of bioweapons. The most important one is the BWC of 1975. BWC is the Biological Weapons Convention. What does it say? It says that you cannot develop, produce, acquire, transfer, stockpile or use any kind of biological weapon. It's a strict no in warfare. Coming back to Russia's allegation, what exactly have they uncovered? 30 labs with incriminating documents. That's what Russia claims. These documents allegedly expose America's operation to develop bioweapons, specifically the plague, anthrax and rabbit fever. Did they also find any stockpiles? Well, this is where things get interesting. Russia claims Ukraine destroyed the entire stock last month. Listen to this. During the course of the special military operation, facts were uncovered of the Kiev regime mopping up traces of military biological programs under development in Ukraine, financed by the U.S. Defense Ministry. So there you have it. That comes from India. Obviously, we're never going to get that in our news. And the problem we have here is, once again, people are going to be able to be swayed because they're going to say, well, where is the stockpile? And, well, if the stockpile's not there, it doesn't exist. And we know that's the paper trail's immense, though. <clears throat> when you get to something to this level with you, and you get caught this deep in violating U.S. or global treaties, the U.S. has tried to circumvent, and they do this all the time, circumvent the treaties, and they are doing it by giving grants and monies through proxies like nonprofits to do the work that we need them done, and then we have local agents doing the work for us, I'm sure nothing can possibly go wrong with having Ukrainian neo-Nazis running biolabs for us. I'm, I'm sure that's all going to go just fine. This is the sort of place we're in, and the thing I reason I bring this up is that we are in a place right now where the cabal actually has is been completely exposed. Now, the, one of the critical questions that we're going to have to answer at some point, but we can't, we don't have clarity yet, centers around Russia's motive to going in Ukraine. You've heard me talk openly about my theory, which I'm still holding to, and that is that Canada was the trigger. That what happened in Canada was three things happened in Canada that were critical that precipitated what we're dealing with in Ukraine right now. One, Canadians discovered that vaxxed or unvaxxed, liberal or conservative, that they had a common understanding of what it was to be Canadian and a common love for the principles of liberty. Though they were calling it freedom, it's actually liberty, the right for them to have free speech and have free movement and just be Canadians. Number two, Canadians started to rediscover their relationship with God and the importance of God in their life. And so the movement became extremely peaceful 
and the movement became very God-centric. Then, when the tyrants decided to treat them as can be predictable, which is to beat them with sticks, essentially, and arrest them and then start to shut down their bank accounts, Canadians responded by doing the one thing that they weren't ready for, and that is they did a run on banks. They started to take their money out. All of this happened. The cabal was exposed. The WEF was seen by the world. And they had to, something had to be done. Now, I don't know what the precipitous was for the invasion of Ukraine. We end up with three scenarios. Okay, one is that Putin is part of the big WEF global cabal and he just did it because it's all part of the Great Reset. Problem is that the more I research Putin, that doesn't entirely make sense because Putin is also a man who's found God again. He's a Christian. He's walking in that Christian walk. He's built more churches, and he really has put emphasis on reestablishing a Christian country. Okay? Putin, there could have been a action done in Ukraine we don't know about that forced the hand of Putin. That's possible. And it could be a combination of that and the fact that Putin is a strategist and saw the opportunity moment to take Ukraine out based on many of these things and because the banking system was revealed to be so weak in the West. What is predictable is exactly what the West did on two levels. One is is that there was a pushing of Russia out in a way of punishing them, but equally what we're seeing is that there was a movement of Russia that was even almost ahead of them starting to pull out and in doing so, the dollar was beginning to weaken. The dollar is not the U.S. dollar. It's the Fed dollar. We always have to remember that, even though we're going to take the brunt of the blow on this one. And what you're witnessing now, by all accounts, is that the global action of the dollar has been sliding. And I think, again, we go back to Canada that kind of started that. The whole dollar system is imploding. We've seen the Middle East that is not accepting, they didn't want to even take Biden's calls. So there's our former partners in the petroleum dollar have told us to go pound sand. And that's in part because they're doing business now in rubles or yuan. And they're not going to deal with the fiat currency anymore. So that's leaving the U.S. with increasingly less resources to bring oil in to run this country. At the same time, an administration that is now waging war on its people by trying to force this WEF agenda. Keep in mind this enemy that we're dealing with. This isn't a static war. They've always been waging war on humanity. Now they're just putting more emphasis on waging war domestically because of what you just heard a minute ago. In part, they want to create this problem-reaction solution. They want to take away the oil, drive prices up. They want to drive, they want to drive the elements up of starvation because starvation is a critical component of what goes on in a communist regime. Now remember, Russia was, Soviet Union was a communist regime. Putin has now taken it out of the communist era. But I want you to hear what Jordan Peters has to say here. Listen carefully what he's saying here. And this is all about what happened in Ukraine and in, which was all that communist bloc under Soviet Russia. Listen to this. And that's exactly what they did in the 1920s. And as I said, they wiped out all their productive peasants and then 6 million Ukrainians starved to death. They had posters. The Soviets produced posters in the 1930s that said, essentially, um, don't forget it's wrong to eat your children. So, whoa. Yeah, whoa. 
There's nothing about the Soviet There's nothing that you can imagine that's horrible enough so that it matched the reality of what happened in the Soviet Union between 1919 and 1959. And, you know, the West knew about this, too. Early, Malcolm Muggeridge in the 30s was documenting for, for England, for, the, for English newspapers, exactly what was going on in the Soviet Union. Bloody intellectuals didn't admit it till the mid-70s, you know, with the exception of people like George Orwell. So... <sighs> Propaganda posters that said it's wrong to eat your children. Starvation that wiped out 6 million people. Okay. So, that's pretty heavy. All of this is pretty heavy as we sit and we look at a storm that's now arriving. And the worst part of this is we're going to have to come to grips with the fact that we have been the center of the axis of evil. Not the center of peace and well-giving across the world. At least not in our time. We are in a place right now where God has been putting on our hearts, and I'm, I'm very, I've talked about this, will be the third time I've talked about this today. You've known me well enough if you've listened that if when I do that, something's big and heavy on my heart, and it's because God put it there. And today, just to share with you, when, it, when I talked about this idea of sharing and giving, I left the show in tears, not because I'm hurt, but because God was moving through me in such a powerful way. We have an opportunity right now to come through this. We will endure this. But the only way we're going to get through this and endure this, if we are all preparing to do more than just bunkering up. The bunker up mentality, the, the mine is mine, you're, you're going to go starve. It's going to end up in violence and chaos, and it's going to end up in un counted suffering and the suffering isn't going to be just those that don't have it's going to be the ravaging that comes from those that don't have when they start to take out try to take from those that do have we have an obligation as we walk as christ would want us to walk to do something different and here's the thing we forget when we give god provides more and when we there's god wants a willful and happy giver. We have to change our mentality now. If we're going to go on the offensive and we're going to do this as God would want us to do, then we're going to have to lead with a giving world. And we're going to have to put our trust in God to know that even if we give away our last piece for somebody, if we're giving from a willful heart, God's going to provide. Patriots, this is probably one of the more difficult times. It's a it's a strategic position shift that I think is going to be difficult for many to follow. And yet, it's when you look back at it, when you look down at it, and you look on the board, we realize that it's really the only way. This isn't about me surviving. In fact, I will put it this way. It's not about me shouldn't be about you. This is about us as humanity enduring to come out of this and to ultimately return to God and to learn what a new world is like, a world we have never lived in, and we are trying to model into something that we have no reference points for. Our context is always about, I get a job, I get something, I take care of me and my family, and 
maybe once in a while sprinkle a little bit of happiness on somebody else, but it's me, 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 me. It's take. If we're going to take in this world, we're going to end up where they want us, and we're already on that path. And I've said this many, many times, that there is no way that we can There is no way, I just read something, I'm just going to clarify. When I read stuff and it gets to me, I'm going to put it out. It says, Scott, your heart is more squishy. No, what my heart is, is it's more with God. What my heart is, is my heart is more with Christ. Because we're into a fight right now that is unwinnable if we walk the way we walked. And it takes a lot more strength to stand and to shift your positions and to go on the offensive with a new strategy than it does to absolutely try to redo something that you know is not going to work but be so stubborn that you're not willing to accept change. Where we are right now is we have to relook at the board and how this is going to win. I've been saying this over and over, and this is what God has been putting on me over and over. You can't win on their game board. You have to shift the game board to God's. In other words, God's saying you have to shift the game board to mine. So whatever that is, that means we have to build a strategy to accomplish that. If you think for a minute that where we're headed into is going to be fought and won with muskets and fought and won with all of the sorts of things that we've done in the past, there are stories that you can go and find about Bosnia to find out how that worked out. Whole neighborhoods being ravaged by roaming gangs people fighting and destroying one another. We have an opportunity, and I believe this is why we are here, that God is bringing this pain on everyone, allowing this, I shouldn't say bringing it, allowing this to happen because God doesn't bring pain on his people. That's like saying God's going to test you. I mean, like he's going to, I'm going to punish all of humanity. I don't believe God's bringing this. What is happening is this evil is moving forward and we've had the opportunity to stand up to it and we haven't. We've seen a large percentage of people race in fear and that fear still has them capsulated. But right now this has to happen because in the process of this, we're being given an opportunity, a choice to choose the path we want. Do we want a world where we come together? Or do we want a world where we just fall apart? We are at the cusp of humanity. It's that simple. So if you have courage and you're willing to step up and take this fight differently to pivot for a strategy to win, then the only strategy we know that can win is that which Christ would walk. And Christ is not going to walk a strategy where he's hoarding. He's going to take, bless, break, and give. Take, bless, break, and give. And he's going to take those few loaves, and he's going to take the few fish, and he's going to turn it into much, and he's going to feed the many. Patriots, that's what we have before us. What choice are we going to make? 
And so right now we are all at a precipice and a cusp of a decision. And it's something we each have to decide how we're going to walk. And we can walk as a product of the cabal or you can walk as a child of God. And either one will give you an outcome. I'm choosing that path that I believe God would want me to walk. And that's going to challenge me as it's going to challenge anyone that does that in very special and unique ways. But it's going to require that in order for us to get through this and to avoid things like propaganda posters that say things like, remember, it's not right to eat your children. I don't think people realize the magnitude of what is hitting the earth right now. I think when we talk about this, because I get too often when I talk about to this to people, they just kind of glaze over. They're like, oh, dude, it's just going to be you know a bump little, we're going to have a hard time with food. We're not talking like a little hard time with food. We're talking about not having any. We're talking about scarcity and shortages on a magnitude that people have never seen except maybe the depression if they're around. We're talking about manipulation of resources to make sure they don't get to people. We're talking about a level of evil that's unlike anything most could have imagined. Yet this is the most beautiful moment ever because it's a moment where we are literally in a place where we have an opportunity to come together and endure this, to get through this, and to overcome. I think that's a pretty good place to be. The hardest... I'm going to relate a story. I think it's a good one. And it was shared with me by a friend who was doing some work with the Chinese triads. And the the code of the triad was that if certain rules were broken, there were certain penalties that were absolute death. And in a particular moment where this enforcer of the code stumbled on somebody in the triad that was sleeping with his wife, that punishment was death. And he literally picked up the machete to kill the guy. Now, this triad member, interestingly, has come to Christ and is one of the most, one of the, has one of the largest followings of Christians in China to this day. Has over 100 churches in China that he, he works and slips in, in and out of China through one of the outer areas to lead those churches. And as he picked up the machete, his story is he put, God said, put the machete down, and he did. The punishment that he was going to give, which was immediate death, it was expected even. But in that moment, God told him to put the sword, the, the machete down and the impact was greater than death because it was humiliation and in the code of the triad there was no way of ever getting over humiliation 
Why do I say that? What does that have to do with what we're doing? He changed the complete way he did. He engaged the fight. He changed to God's game board. And in so doing, completely disrupted the event and turned the power of the moment into God's moment, which the only way through that guilt for them is to turn to Jesus, not turn, not turn to a steel blade. In the same way now as we face this crisis, we're going to have to look at things very differently and if we are building communities, building to help each other, empower each other, we're going to get through this fine. But if we're going to be hoarding and pulling away and bunkering up and waiting for the end of times, we've lost already. It's always the same thing. We put things in perspective of what Christ would do. And in simple terms, he's our king. So if he wouldn't do it, it's probably not a good choice to do it. These times ahead are going to be very serious. And they're here. I shouldn't even say they're, they're here. They're happening. They're happening so fast. And when fuel goes up, everything goes up. By next month, they're saying by the end of this month, people's grocery bills and fuel bills will be up $1,000 a household. When you hear that report from that trucker a bit ago that he's spending $1,052 or $55 on fuel for a refrigerator truck, that's going to get translated over to the cost of goods on the shelf. And as those costs increase, consumer buying power is equally decreasing. It's a double hit. There is no way through this easily because the dollar as a global currency is now dead. It's just a matter of its last hemorrhaging, and that's whatever that is, a year, two years, three years, I don't know. But everything in the world is tied to the U.S. federal dollar. And no matter what they do right now, nothing is going to fix quickly. I went over that last hour. Nothing is. You can't fix this problem with a snap of your fingers. You can't fix this problem with suddenly starting up new oil wells. You can't fix this problem with starting to grow food because this problem is here. Where we get to endure it, we might be able to re get things back on track in a year, possibly two. Farming is going to be more like three and five years. Because once you put a crop into fallow or you stop growing like they've been told, telling farmers to do, you don't just quickly restart again. There's a litany of things. They can start growing, but you're not going to see the productivity on that land for probably another two years. So the shortages we're facing now are only going to, are going to continue easily through 2024. So we need to ask ourselves a question. Are we trying to just look out for ourselves or are we trying to expand the kingdom? And I think that's what it comes down to. Colossians 3, 23, 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, 
knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. That's essentially the pivot that I'm working from right there. And when we add that to 1 Corinthians 10.13, which I read earlier, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it, enduring being the key word. All of these things coming together, we have to endure what is coming keeping in mind who we are working for and who we are serving. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then I think it's important to remember just how much Father loves us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Christ was sacrificed for us. I think we can make the sacrifices now as necessary to persevere in this fight. The cycles of craziness are going to continue. Weather is getting crazier on the Northeast. Ukraine is pushing for threatening Russia, stating that we all need to unite against to fight against Russia or there will be millions that will die. That's an idle threat or passive threat. We have the brick nations pulling away. We have the isolationism kicking in. We have the West pushing forward more aggressively than ever on their WEF strategy of total dominant control over every human being in its realm. These things aren't going to just disappear. And it's ultimately going to come down to us to make the decision on how long they endure. If we're going to be yes people and compliant, then we're in this for a very long time. If we're going to be ungovernable and realize that when people have set up where tyranny has become the norm, defiance becomes the duty when we take that role, then we're going to shake the cage. And it's going to be a few years, but we'll get through this. Food has always been a critical part of controlling people. Starvation, famine, those, those are weapons of war. And they're, they're running a test right now. Just check on what's going on in Yemen. They're starving out tens of thousands, right? Tens of thousands right now. And it's all being done by the hand of the Saudis with the help of U.S. weapon systems. These people are as evil as it gets. They have no problem erasing cultures and whole races of people. 
if you face that with fear, they control you. If you face that with righteousness, knowing that your way through this is a loving heart for your neighbor, let me be clear, we're going to win this just fine. And that's going to be the walk, ultimately, that Christ, I believe, would take and that I know that Christ will guide if we so reach. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this time of very dark and ugly times where we're facing the true sense of this evil and cabal, what it's willing to do and the unimaginable things it's willing to do, Lord, give us that strength as cheerful givers. Give us that strength and understanding of how powerful this is when we trust in you and give, knowing that giving is as you would want us to, and as we give, you will provide more. So much of this fear-based process, Lord, of the fear positions that we all take are a place where we fall into the trap of fear and we also fall into the trap of scarcity. And yet, Lord, you are not a God of scarcity, anything but. Let us be reminded, Lord, of the strength and power of all that you are. Let us be reminded, Lord, of the love in which you have for us. There are times in this chaos that it's easy for many to walk and forget. But the power of giving is so profound that it can shake us at the very core. It can transform us from a skeptic, transform us from a pessimist, transform us from an anger place into a place where we really begin to understand the power, true power of the concept of agape love. Provide us with those opportunities, Lord, as they stand before us. Lead us in these opportunities to start extending a hand to one another, to raise each other up, to start working together as communities, to come together as one body. In such a time as this, there can never be anything, something more important. And I truly believe, Lord, as I believe many do, that you've put us here in this time to face this, to be those people, that remnant that leads, that guides and extends those hands to raise people and to open their eyes to the glory of who you are. Let that flow through us, Lord. Guide us, protect us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, patriots, there's a lot to reflect on, a lot to take to prayer. I'm pretty clear where I'm at. And I know that the challenges ahead are ultimately going to be overcome from that place of love thy neighbor. And that's not always going to be easy. And it's definitely not going to be all about hugs and high fives. But rather it's going to be a process of respect and caring, compassion. And at the same time, that fire of righteousness that once we build those and forge those bonds, that we look out for one another and stay together and we grow that unity across the many ranks to literally expand God's reach and to allow God to move through this land in powerful, powerful ways. 
There's going to be communities that are going to glow brightly with light. There's going to be communities that sink deep into darkness. But the light will always expose the darkness. And that's important. And right now, this darkness that's settling on is essential because there's no way that we could see the light if the darkness has not arrived. And the darkness is here. So it's time to shine and shine as bright as ever. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. Prayers up, patriots. This is a beautiful time, keeping ourselves anchored on that rock of faith. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we're here in this time, in this place, for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Have a blessed night, patriots. I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove That we could stand here too All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to the level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now
Safe place to hide from the rain. 